Hi everyone, welcome to another of our weekly governance updates here from VLGA Connect. Stephen Cooper joining us as always. Stephen, hi. Hello Chris, good to see you in the VLGA studio today. Thank you, and I see you're in the VLGA studio. The VLGA's budget must be being stretched no end to create all these studios, because Catherine aren't joining us on the newsroom later from another VLGA studio. <laughs> being silly now Chris let's go well, someone told me during the week that this podcast was being filed under comedy which I was sort of a bit upset about that it's a very serious business governance we're avoiding jumping the shark I think I said to that person Chris indeed well uh, we do have actually seriously a lot to talk about this week there's a new uh, local government inspectorate report into councillor expenses there's uh, lots of activity happening in preparing for the induction of new councils, including a webinar later today, it's at the time of recording that uh, LGV is uh, hosting. And you've been delving into an issue around a potential um, privacy issue for councils under this current COVID-19 omnibus uh, legislative environment, if I can put it that way. I've done a little bit of delving, Chris. I haven't hasn't got to digging yet, but um, a couple of things out of it, Chris. And I think the first, the starting point is, of course, to note that the omnibus legislation has been extended for another six months. So um, the councils have the power to conduct meetings virtually uh, for six months. But the issue that you're raising is um, has fallen out of another part of that omnibus legislation, which required that councils make uh, the planning permit processes more accessible online. So what's happened this week is that the Office of the Victorian Information Commissioner has written to every council as a result of a report that was made by a council who had received a complaint. Um, so the situation was that in making the planning processes available, someone has complained to that council that their uh, personal contact details, I believe, have been disclosed to other parties. Um, so obviously privacy breach, that's led to a report to OVIC, which is good on the council for doing that because that's what you're meant to do. Interesting one, Steve. Look, going back, I remember it was one of those quirks that under the Planning and Environment Act, um, people's uh, um, submissions, I guess, to planning application matters were were on display for anyone to see, including publication of personal information, etc. The privacy principles have evolved over time, and then there were other mechanisms brought in to address that issue. And now we sort of seem to have come uh, full circle. Absolutely, I've always said to governance people, make sure that, or actually, no, anyone working in a council, make sure that the privacy officer is your best friend, because um, keeping privacy on the radar is a really important topic. And I think. It's important in this one, Chris, it's not just a topic about town planning. It's a topic about management of data generally and the importance of making sure that we're clear on disclosure, that information's only used for the purpose it's intended and all of those other privacy principles because, um, so it's about design of the system and making sure that at the front, we think about those ethical and privacy issues, not wait until the end. Yes, so the, the, the message, really the key message is just that, isn't it? Make sure that your privacy officer 
is across what you're doing in terms of responding to the current circumstances to make sure that you're not inadvertently falling foul of those principles. Yeah, and it's a nicety, Chris, but it's also important. It's not just the privacy officer's job. It's the responsibility of everyone in the organisation to pay attention to privacy. I think the bigger issue too, Chris, is that this would get the attention, this sort of issue gets the attention of the Ombudsman and indeed IBAC because there is this emerging trend in the integrity space around, you know, the um, the potential for corruption associated with misuse of data. So really a starting point thinking about how we manage data is really important. Uh, let's move on to the report that's just been released by the local government inspectorate into council or expenses and allowances. Some interesting insights I found in this report. Now, the, the gathering of the data goes back some time. It started last year, but it gives you, I think, a really uh, interesting snapshot of where governance people and councillors are at in terms of how they view the expense system and the allowance system. Absolutely. And I thought um, it was interesting, Chris, that that report um, surveyed seven councils um, of various shapes and sizes and um, dived into a bit of detail regarding um, the perceptions of individuals in those organisations um, and including some issues around um, claiming of councillor expenses. A terrific report. I thought it was terrific as well. Um, I thought um, interesting timing given that councils have had to adopt a new expense policy. So it'd be interesting to go back and compare these findings against the, the new policies that have been brought in. A couple of interesting observations, Steve. Um, some councillors actually seem to think that their campaign costs should be expenses that could be reimbursed. Did you pick up on that one? I thought that I was pleased it was only 5%, but that was probably 5% too many. And I was also interested that there was a perception of some that meals, um, including alcohol, um, ought also be reimbursed. And I just think the world's moved a little bit past those days, Chris. I would agree, Stephen. And, and, and you're right. It was uh, pleasing to see that they were very small uh, um, minorities in terms of those responses. I think the other key thing coming out of this is uh, consistency or potential lack of consistency across councils in the way these matters are being uh, addressed. And hopefully, Chris, that the process we've just gone through of adopting a new policy under the 2020 Act will have helped that. But I think there's no reason for complacency on this. The 2019 Vago report into fraud and corruption in local government spent a fair bit of time on the, uh, the claiming of councillor expenses as well. So it, it remains a live topic. Um, I thought the interesting thing, another interesting thing that I didn't expect to see in that report, Chris, was um, some feedback from councillors about the amount of time spent on the job as, as a councillor. And the fact that, and a number of councillors having the perception that um, the payment's not quite enough. Um, a lot of course thought it was about right, the allowance. Um, but that also raises some um, concerns about um, the inadequacy might also be due to some choices that councillors making about being dived in about diving into operational matters, which is might cause a bit of ethical blindsiding, if you like. Yes, uh, interesting observation, Steve. And there were quite some disparate views around that, which reflects my uh, observations over the years of the way different councillors approach the role. Um, some making a fair point that. You know, if you're employed full time and you want to give the appropriate amount of attention to the role of councillor, you're not doing it for the money. And we've no. been saying that 
through our sessions all year. You don't put your hand up and run for council because of what you're going to be paid. It's actually not about that. Um, I think we also should really um, point out that the inspectorate is not actually um, pointing to any serious failings in this report. In fact, they're saying the audit did not reveal significant deviation from expected practices, but it showed there's room for improvement in the practices, which is what these, um, these uh, reviews are all about, aren't they? Yeah, and there are a couple of sort of um, interesting vignettes, I suppose, Chris, which might make for nice clickbait, but the really significant stuff was in the conclusion about the importance of, of having that transparency and understanding what a duty is, regular reporting, um, the design of claim forms and appropriate processes, a couple of examples cited where, you know, councillors claiming via petty cash, not good. Um, or not appropriate sign-off. So some really basic stuff around transparency and process, um, which are a good reminder. Indeed. So uh, all audit and risk committees should be receiving a copy of this for review as well, because there are some risks that have been identified there that you just want to make sure they're on your risk register, that, uh, that management is telling you they're alive to those issues and uh, the appropriate practices are in place to deal with them. And I think it's important, Chris, because although the amounts are small um, in regard to these matters compared with some other exposures for the organisation, um, the potential for reputational risk is significant. All right, a quick one before we wrap up, and that's around induction. We know that there's some minimum standards for induction processes for new councils in the new regulations that are not yet uh, written in stone, but they must be getting close because the consultation period, I think, is now yeah, finished. I hope those stonemasons have got their chisels out and are just about mm. to uh, finalise that, Chris, because we, uh, the expectation is that we'll have the regulations just prior to the elections. And as of recording, there's a, a webinar coming up hosted by LGV with Hannah Duncan-Jones, um, a CEO in Jesse Holmes, and a councillor in uh, Sandra Wilson from Hobson's Bay, deputy mayor and a former mayor, um, to talk about um, that induction issue and how to prepare for that very important task of setting a council up to succeed from the start. Uh, and what an important time it is, Chris. And it's always a risk um, when any good governance practice is put in the act or in regulation that we revert back to bare compliance. But this induction process is absolutely critical in the sense that it sets the tone for the council and the organisation over the ensuing four years. So, you know, one of the elements that's not there and in some ways you can't have it there is just um, making sure that the induction captures issues around culture and purpose. What does this newly elected group of councillors hope to achieve in the four year term? How are they planning on working together in a cohesive unit? Because, you know, one of the, um, one of the mandatory principles if, if the consultation gets um, through to the regulation is to discuss um, the internal arbitration process and the councillor conduct process. Well, you'd hope that we agree our processes for behaviour and for how we'll resolve issues internally and informally so we don't have to get to that step. So really important that all councillors engage, including returning councillors, because I always sort of think, change one person, you've got a new group, and it's really important that they work together. Of course, uh, the VLGA can play a role in helping councils with this induction process, Steve. Have you, I'm sure you've given some thought to how that might happen. Chris, that's um, fantastic that you've actually thought to ask that question, because as luck would have it, we've written to all the CEOs uh, of the 
the uh, councils this week. And the VLGA does have an induction offering covering, covering five modules. And um, we'll be expecting to have some, or well, in fact, we've already had some conversations with a couple within a day of that, uh, that letter going out. All right, uh, before we go, can I thank you, Steve, for stepping in on uh, Wednesday when we did our live panel on caretaker conventions. We had uh, a, a terrific panel, but half of it dropped out due to, uh, due, due to an internet outage. And thankfully we had you there. You thought you were observing, but you ended up being a part of uh, the session. And uh, I, as the moderator, was very grateful you were there. That's good, Chris. I hope my shameless lack of preparation didn't show too much. <laughs> That was terrific. Thank you, Steve. Uh, you have a great week. Always lots to talk about. Don't know where all this stuff comes from, but we can always rely on you to find an interesting topic to talk about. And I'll be expecting you to do the same next week. Can't wait, Chris. Thanks for that. Stephen Cooper with us on the weekly governance update here from VLGA Connect.